I'm trying to get somewhere that's real and pure and true and eternal. From the American Missionary Church, Apostle Joel Obobisa will inspire you with anointed, practical, and down-to-earth Bible-based teachings that will refresh, energize, and motivate you to do your best for God. Join the Apostle now as he ministers the Word of God. Wow. I'll be there, I'll be there, whatever the cost, whatever the cost may be, I'll be there, come on, tell somebody I'll be there, I'll be there, I'll be there. I'll be there, whatever the cost, whatever the cost may be, I'll be there, try it one last time, I'll be there, I'll be there, I'll be there, Cost maybe I'll be there. Amen. What a blessing. Right, let us pray. Father, we thank you for this afternoon and thank you for another opportunity to hear your word. Your word is a lamp unto our feet, it is a light unto our path. We pray, Lord, that you turn on the lights this afternoon. Let the light in your word shine in our path. Lord, open our eyes and give us understanding. Holy Spirit, breathe life into this experience and encounter with your word. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says, Amen. Amen. Wow. Put your hands together for the Lord. And I want you to say hello to three people before you sit down, okay? So find three, three people in the church. Yeah, three people at least. Amen. And you may be seated. Beautiful. Okay. Tonight, today, I want to share with you why your soul is important. Amen. Yes, why your soul is important. Amen. Now, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 3, 23, I'm sorry, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23, that the Bible says, and the very God of peace 
sanctify you wholly, wholly. And I pray God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I'll read it again. It says, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, wholly. That means completely, isn't it? And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So, according to this verse, the whole of a person includes his spirit, his soul, and his body. Right? Now, we are more familiar with our bodies because we have to deal with it every day. You know, our bodies get tired, they send us to bed. Our bodies get hungry, they send us to eat. Our bodies get dirty, they send us to the bathroom, and so on and so forth. So we are more familiar with our bodies. But anybody who thinks a little further understands also that when somebody dies, you still have the body, but the person doesn't seem to be there. So it means there must be more to the person than his body. Now, that's where the Bible comes in with an explanation why it is so. It is so because a person is not just a body. There is something that lives in a person that moves the body. So the body seems to be like a residence. It's a place, you know, um, that someone lives. That someone is the one you interact with. That someone is the one who seems to leave and go somewhere and leaves the body behind such that you still have the body, but you can't do anything with it. In fact, the body starts to rot (laughs) and it starts to go bad. So you are forced to put it somewhere, right? So that is what the Bible says. So this verse we just read is explaining that the whole of a person, that's why he said, may the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, wholly, you know, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless before unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you get it? So, Um, That's why we're learning about the soul, because there is a part of you called the soul, and what our message today is why that part of you is important. Amen. Amen. So Mark chapter 8 and verse 36, I'm going to read quite a few verses today, so I want the fastest person to do the HSP work so that we can move through this very Uh, smoothly. Amen. Amen. All right. Now, Mark chapter 8 and verse 36, the Bible says, what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and lose his soul? Right? So, right there, 
This verse is suggesting that the soul has value and that the value is very high. Very high, so high, such that it compares, it places, the Bible is placing the soul side by side with the whole world. <laughs> right. Side, the whole world on the left, your soul alone on the right. And the Bible says, if you gain the whole world on one hand and you lose your soul, you did not make a profit. You did not make a profit. Then it means your soul must be very, very valuable. A human soul must be very, very valuable, must be precious. You know, it's worth paying attention to because if you gain the whole world and you lose your soul, the Bible says you didn't make a profit. He's looking for the profit. He said, what did you get out of it? What is the profit of gaining the whole world and losing your soul? So number one, your soul is important because it is the inner man, the real man who will live forever when the flesh is dead, right? The soul is important because he is the inner man, the real man who will live forever when the flesh is dead. Hallelujah. Now, the Bible does talk about an inner man. There is an inner man, you know. I mean, the very first verse we read suggests that there is a spirit, there's a soul, and there's a body. And if there's a spirit and there's a soul and there's a body, you know, then the Bible is encouraging us to uh, be conscious of the soul. And that soul is the inner part of a person. Isn't it? Yeah. So Romans chapter 7 and verse 22, it says, For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. Do you see that there's a part of me that likes the word of God? And it's called the inward man. So there's an inward man who likes the word of God. You know, when you come to church, you know, the part of you that loves the preaching is not your flesh. Your flesh really wants to fall asleep. <laughs> you get it? Yes. But there's the inner or inward man who is forced to live in this flesh. What he feeds on is the word of God. Do you get it? Yes. And he says, I delight in the law of God after the inward man. Amen. And there's even yet another verse. It says in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 16. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16, it says, For which cause we faint not, but through, uh, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Can you see that? The outward man perishes. The outward man is exhausted. The outward man is tired. The outward man is even aging. You get it? Yes. And wearing out. You get it? The outward man is becoming weaker. Outward man can barely see. Outward man is losing his hair. Outward man what? He's what? 
outward women are also losing their hair. <laughs> you get it? Yeah. But the outer person goes through a lot. I mean, if you see the way the sun is shining today, I mean, when the outward man walks in this weather for some time, it's bound to show <laughs> on him at some point. Do you see? But there is an inward man which is being renewed every day. Do you get it? There's an inner part of a person. That's just what I want you to see. Amen. So your soul is important because it is the inner man, the real man who will live forever when the flesh is dead. So one day, this body is not going to be here anymore. Isn't it? Jesus told a very interesting story. Luke chapter 16. Let's read that story. It says, um, there was a certain rich man which was clothed in fine linen. Luke 16 from verse 19. It says, there was a certain rich man which was clothed in fine, uh, in purple and fine linen and fed sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate, full of sores, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water, and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, Remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence." Right now, this is a very interesting story, you know. I mean, it's so interesting that you can choose to ignore it. <laughs> do, you, do you get it? Because if you read the story and decide to pay attention to it, it will force you to um, embrace certain realities. Because we can see that there is no dispute about uh, the, the reality that in life some people are more privileged and blessed than others. That there is such a thing as a rich man. There is such a thing as, and you should believe it. You get it? When, when you are at a stoplight and you're driving your little car like one that was following me today, you know, a real tiny matchbox type of car, you know, and it was following me, followed me so closely that I had to give it away. <laughs> And when it passed, I said, look at it. This is a very little thing that is wasting time on the road. But yes, but yes, you in your little box there, when you come to the stoplight and someone pulls up next to you in his Rolls Royce, you need to believe that it's real. 
that what you're looking at is real, that there are two ways to go to a destination. You can either go there by paying 2,000 bucks for a certain car, or pay 450,000 of those same bucks to that same place. That there is a reality about the disparity in people's incomes and people's standard and, and levels of comfort and living. And the Bible does not argue with that. It says this rich man was dressed, you know, in a way. Purple means a symbol of wealth. He was dressed beautifully every time. And then what he ate also was also sumptuous. You get it? He fed sumptuously every day. Do you, do you get it? And then there's somebody else called Lazarus. And Lazarus, he ate what fell from the rich man's table? You get it? So all bellies and stomachs, even though they may be full, um, the contents are not the same. <laughs> you get it? We can all get to that feeling of feeling full, but what has filled it? You get it? <laughs> For some, is what water and crumbs and things from off somebody's table. And then there are others who also get fed with the first selection. You get it, the best parts. And um, yeah, so the Bible is not disputing that disparity. And it says that's what happened. Then the next reality that you're forced to embrace in the story is that all people die. <laughs> that no matter what and how a person lives. It seems that the end of humanity is the same for all. 10 out of 10 people die. Everybody dies, no matter how well they have done. You know, last week I was telling you how I heard about uh, this billionaire who owns Harrods um, uh, and how he has died, you know, at 94. And I was just thinking, wow, I mean, someone who owns Harrods, as rich as that, you know, still has to be subject to what everybody else is subject to, regardless of what they have or what they don't have, you see. So death seems to be an equalizer. It puts everybody in the same place and makes us equal to everybody, you know. Um, I hear there's an earthquake um, in, in Morocco and um, we prayed for them yesterday I was praying that God should help them you know but nobody is asking in Morocco now who is rich do you get it which of the people is rich you know there's no such separation they're just hoping that they'll find a piece of you and bury you in any honorable or possibly honorable uh, way do you see so there is a place where all people die, and that seems to happen. It says, it came to pass that the rich man, uh, Lazarus, died and was carried by angels into Abraham's bosom. Then the rich man also died and was buried, right? Then the other reality, you see, which unfortunately people um, sort of avoid venturing into, is what happens after the burial. What happens after people die? And for a lot of people, for fear of having to embrace the reality, they stop there. Do you get it? But this story goes on very boldly. That's why 
you must try to read the Bible no matter what. Because the Bible is not afraid to tell us the reality, you know, of what happens to people. So it says the people died. They finished all the things they were doing on, on earth. Driving cars, living in, in beautiful places, wearings of purple, you know. <laughs> yeah. Don't you realize that, don't you realize that no matter what a person wears, there comes a time when it's over. You now have to take it off. <laughs> Isn't it? Yes, there comes a time when we can go to a party and you may be the best dressed person at the place. Yes, but you, you can't keep wearing it forever. You get it? Yes. You can love what you're wearing and wear it and wear it and wear it and get home, even decide to cook in it and everything, but you will have to put it off at some point. Yeah, and some people take off, you know, they take off and take off and take off. Then it gets to a point where everybody looks alike. <laughs> <laughs> you get it where our clothes no longer tell who has what because we, we don't have anything <laughs> do you see so these guys had finished their life they had finished their eatings you get it they had finished their wearings of apparel drivings of expensive cars and some walking and so on and all of that phase of life was over and now they had entered into phase two so it says that it came to pass the beggar died and was carried by angels into Abraham's bosom and the rich man also died and was buried and then in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. Right? So it seems that the, the life is continuing. You know? And just as we see it, I think none of us has any doubts that one day, you know, you will not have a chance to wear any clothes anymore. You will not have a chance to eat anymore. You will not have a chance to drive your car anymore. Your taste in clothes, cars, food, and all of those things will come to an end. It will not matter anymore. So eat what you can. <laughs> While you can. <laughs> you get it? Because a time is going to come, um, you will not have a say. They may even be eating while you're lying there. <laughs> yes. And it might pain you. <laughs> Especially when you see some of the people who are eating. <laughs> You get it? But you will be forced to continue to face two. Do you see? Where something else is going on. Some are being carried by angels into Abraham's bosom. Because you don't have any control. No one will say walk to that place. You can't. So you have to be carried. You get it? Yes. And then the rich man also died and he was buried. And it says in hell... He lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and he can see Abraham afar off. And he can see Lazarus in Abraham's bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water. So right there we can see the person is dead. There's no doubt. The Bible says clearly the rich man also died. So he's dead, just like everybody else. And further, he has been buried. 
just like everybody else. But though he's dead and buried, he's still seeing, he's still recognizing, he's still feeling, isn't it? Yes, he's still feeling and he's even still speaking. We're talking about why your soul is important. You know, that there is a part of you that will outlive and outlast this body. You know, so it's a pity that this body gets all the attention. You get it? When there is actually a part of you that will outlive this body, that will outlast this body, long after this body is over, you know, this part of you will continue to matter. It will continue to see, it will continue to feel, it will continue to recognize, it will continue to speak. It will have some kind of a voice. You get it? So here he's crying, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. Right? Now, if you believe any part of this story at all, you get it, and you read it to this point, it will be too late not to believe this one, that there is such a thing as a flame that people can go into after they die. If you believe that people can be rich, and you believe that people can be clothed in purple, and believe that people can fare sumptuously, and you believe that rich people die, and believe that poor people also die, then believe the next phase, which says that some go to heaven and some go to hell. And the experience in hell is not a pleasant experience. It's a life in a flame, do you see? Where it is luxury, to get someone to dip the tip of his finger in water just to cool your tongue. Yeah. Not, not a glass of water. <laughs> not a bottle of water, of course. But one drop. One drop not served in one of those communion cups. Can you give me one of those communion things? Yes. You know, that there is a place. Where this is luxury. If you can get this, it's luxury. Because you wouldn't even have that. You see, and what this guy is asking for in that place, you know, is just, he's just asking for, okay, this is my communion, so let me just keep it. Yes? But he's asking for a drop of water from the tip of someone's finger. Something that you're not likely to accept. You have some water? Yes? Okay, give me, give me a drop of your water. One drop. One drop. One drop. This. The, yeah, this will, this will serve about 50 people. <laughs> that, that's about 50 people in hell. That's, that's what they're going to use. Yes. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yes. I mean, that is serious. You get it. See, this is why people prefer not to read it. Yeah. Because 
it's it's mind blowing. You get it? Yes, it's mind blowing. So people would rather read up to a point and stop there. You get it? But let's be bold. Let's read it because it's here. It's the Bible. <laughs> it's the book that's talking about life and explaining life. And so we'll do ourselves some good when we read it, right? Then he says, the rich man asked for that. But Abraham said, son, remember that thou in thy lifetime received thy good things. And likewise, Lazarus, evil things. But now he is comforted and thou art tormented. Do you get it? So it seemed that the two had different lives while they were living. And now the lives seem to be inverted. Do you get it? The one who was enjoying when they were on earth is now suffering after death. And the one who was suffering when they were on earth is now enjoying after death. You know, there seems to be an inversion. Do you get it? Yes. And I'm not surprised that it is like that because many privileged people on earth, you know, become proud, you see, and become so puffed up by those same privileges that they do not respect any relationship with God. They do not feel, they feel that going to church or, or praying or seeking God is a thing for the poor man. It's because you have problems that you need God. <laughs> do, do, do you understand? Now, that may be true because people who have problems seek solutions. You get it? And so, it, it may be true that a lot of people who seek God seek him because they have problems. But then that's something to be grateful for. That's because anything that turns you towards God is a blessing for your life. Do you understand? But that said, you know, prosperity is not, is not supposed to eliminate your need for God. You can never be so rich that you don't need God. You know, God is a totally different thing. It's like somebody who says, I'm so rich, I don't need to breathe. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, you, you can't be so rich that you don't need to breathe. No, it's a whole different thing. You get it? Yes. But you find that a lot of people who are doing well with in life, you know, maybe because you have a good job, you have your dream job, um, you've married your dream man with a dream body, you know. <laughs> yeah, six, six instead of one. <laughs> you get it? Yeah, instead of one solid one that you have to go and divide yourself. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. Instead of that, it's done for you. And you can see the six. Two. One on each side. One, two, three, four, five, six. And you can see even even a seventh and an eighth trying to form. Uh Yeah. Do you get it? Yes. So you have your dream guy or you have married your dream girl you know, and you've given birth to your dream children, one boy and one girl. You get it? Yes. Yes. 
you have you have no appetite to try uh, another one or no temptation to try like Dennis. Dennis, his situation, he has to he's tempted to try another one. <laughs> or Reverend Charles. I am sure that Reverend Charles sometimes wonders what his daughter will look like. Don't you think so? Yeah, I think it's a very strong temptation. It's in his head. Such people, when you ask them, is it over? They can never say confidently. They always give some zigzag answers. Yes. They wish they would have an accident they can accept. <laughs> yeah. But I'm saying that people who do well in life, many of them typically don't care about God. And that's a shame. So it's therefore not a surprise to me, you know, that this man is in hell even though he was rich. You get it. Yes, I'm not surprised that he's a rich man who's gone to hell. He's not saying that all rich people will go to hell. But that it is common that a person's wealth becomes his God. And a person starts to have more respect for his material possessions than for God. Because they feel that people who don't have or people who go to God go to him because of what they don't have. And while that is partially true, it is not entirely the case. That God is someone you need with or without earthly possessions and prosperity. You can never be too successful not to need God. God is in the category of things. He's in the category of things you need to have. No matter your state of life and existence. Do you see what I'm saying? So that's what is happening. And he says that the rich man is tormented and the poor man is comforted. You see? And now he said, beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed. So that they which would pass from thence to you cannot neither can they pass to us that would come from thence, right? So what he's saying, another reality is that it seems the only place where you can decide how you spend eternity is while you're here. You get it? This this is where there's an intersection that beyond this point, you know, you can't cross over, isn't it? I think we're all familiar with roads that play like that. It's like you have to make your U-turn here or you're done for. (laughs) If you don't exit at this point, you have to run the rest of the road, maybe another 20 miles before you have another chance to turn and to make, you know. So we make our roads like that. Why would it be difficult to believe That God, who has created this whole big world, you know, has set it up such that the only place where you can 
make a change. You know, a change to where you spend eternity is here on this side. That after you die, you can't make a change. Do you see? Even though your conditions after death will be such that you would desire a change. You get it? Because no one wants to be suffering forever. You know, no one wants to be in hell forever. We want to, to not be in hell. We want to go to heaven, isn't it? Yeah. So if you find that you're in torment, you're going to want to make a change. <laughs> you see, yes, even this guy, he's not applying for a change. He's just applying for comfort in the, in the same place. Just cool, a little coolness <laughs> in hell, you see. And it seems that the answer to that question was no, you see. He says, you, you cannot have it. You cannot have it. You can't go to hell and make a change from there. So this is where we need to decide for our soul. We're talking about why your soul is important. Your soul is important because if you neglect your soul and cross over from this phase, your soul would have lost the opportunity, you know, to choose where it would spend eternity. It would have to accept where it is assigned based on the life that you lived here on earth. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I hope you understand what I'm sharing with you, right? So number two reason why your soul is important, to gain the whole world is to gain all the wealth, the money, the fame, the popularity, the acclaim, and the honest that this world can offer, right? Your soul is important because to gain the whole world means a lot. And if your soul, you know, or losing your soul is compared to that is a loss, then your soul must be very valuable. Because to gain the whole world is to gain all the wealth, you see, which is not even what most of us are looking for. We're not trying to get all the wealth. We're just trying to improve our car a little bit. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah, just to drive a better car or to live in a better place. You get it? Yes. Or at least to be free of this roommate that you have. <laughs> for some people, that's all you're looking for. I mean, if, if this roommate can change... You get it? Yeah, if this roommate can change and no, you won't have to deal with this person anymore, that would be enough for you. You get it? So people are not even looking for a whole lot. You get it? Then, of course, there are also those with, you know, a more finer taste <laughs> and, and desires and who long for different things. But whatever you're looking for, you know, cannot be compared with all the wealth in the world. Isn't it? Yes, and all the money, you know, the billions of dollars in the world, you see, and the fame and the honor and the popularity and the recognition that people would give to a person, you know, that's what it means to gain the whole world, you see. And sometimes it's sad because we hear of celebrities and important people and significant people who just die and sometimes their death actually hurts. Yeah. 
isn't it? The, the news of the death of a fine person like even Michael Jackson or any of the people that we know, you know, it, it hurts. It, you feel like, you know, man, why should such a person die? Yes. Someone who is loved by so many people, someone who is, or has so much going for them, you know, they seem to be a rising star, they're doing so well, and we all can't wait to see, you know, their success. We love what they do, they're entertainers, or they're entertaining, and, and, you know, beautiful people with beautiful families, you know, like Kobe Bryant, you know, I mean, that was a very hurtful one. And I remember it was a Sunday morning, I think it was, right? Yes, and we were on our way to church when we heard it. You know, I mean, that was a very painful one. You see, yes. So all of that, all of that, you know, makes us realize that our soul must be very important. It must be very important. Because to gain all of this and to lose your soul, the Bible says it's a loss. That must make us pay attention to our soul. Amen. Amen. Now, number three, your soul is important because Jesus said there was nothing valuable enough that you could give in exchange for your soul. Right? There's nothing valuable enough that you can give in exchange for your soul. That must mean then that there's nothing anyone is doing right now that is worth the loss of their soul. Do you get it? Look, Matthew chapter 16 and verse 26. Matthew 16 and verse 26. It says, For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Do you see then it says, or, or, in other words, another way to put this is what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Do you get it? Yes. What shall a man give in exchange for your soul? And so if people are losing their souls over things, then the Bible says most of us are really experiencing a loss. Do you get it? Yes. Because the things we're giving in exchange for our soul, you know, those things are not worth our soul. Do you get it? Your job is not worth the loss of your soul. A few dollars are not worth the loss of your soul. A relationship is not worth the loss of your soul. You shouldn't backslide because of a boyfriend. Hey. 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 <laughs> or a girlfriend. Yes. But as a pastor, I've seen people lose their soul because of a boyfriend. Or a girlfriend. You get it. They've met somebody, you know, because of whom they no longer come to church or no longer come to the Lord. That's like losing your family because you met somebody. Do you see what I'm saying? No. In life, you need to, you need to be, identify the constants 
and the variables. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? Yes, there are some things that remain in your life. No matter who comes and goes. Then there are some things that come and go. Do you, do you get it? Yes. And everybody's life is a combination of those constants and the variables. Do, do you see? Yes. So the variables come and go. But we're not supposed to trade the constants for the variables. Amen. Amen. So we don't give up family members, for example, because we met somebody. <laughs> and certainly, we don't give up our soul because we met somebody. <laughs> Do you get it? Yeah. Yes. Your soul is precious. Your soul will remain after the people have come and gone, after the jobs have come and gone, after school has come and gone, after that car has come and gone. I mean, have you not noticed that some cars have come and gone? Which used to be your dream. How you saved and saved and saved and saved to get it. A certain Jaguar in your family, right? Yes. It went fast. Yes. That Jaguar came to church only one time and backslid. <laughs> it was parked right across there. Hey. No, that spot, that spot is usually taken by about two or three cars. The day the Jaguar came, it took all the, all the space. <laughs> And then after church, it just disappeared. We never met it again. Shining Jaguar. Blue. So the cars come and they go. Isn't it? Yes. Different things come and go. You know, recently as our children have not been in, in the house... You know, it has occurred to me how they come and go. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> it has occurred to me strongly that, you know, anybody who thinks that <laughs> this is your life, you know, because they engage you so intensely for a period of time and then suddenly just disappear. One by one like that and then you see that they are not there. Yes, you start taking the trash out again yourself just as you began. The way you began. So the other day when I was taking the trash out, I said, yeah, I remember. This is how I, this is how I started. <laughs> yeah. So nobody should get angry over kids who won't take the trash out. Practice makes perfect. <laughs> Get used to it. <laughs> Do you see? Yes. So your soul is important because Jesus said there is nothing valuable enough that you could give in exchange for your soul. Right? Number four, your soul is so important that God has appointed shepherds to guide your soul to heaven. 
Every preacher has been sent by God to shepherd and guide souls safely to green pastures. Amen. Amen. Right? So your soul is so important that God has given special caretakers for your soul. Isn't it? First Peter chapter 2 and verse 25. It says, For ye were as sheep going astray. Right? Ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. Do you see? You are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. Of course, the chief shepherd himself is Christ. Amen. The chief shepherd himself is the Lord. You get it? That's why the Bible says, the Lord is my shepherd. Right. Right. Now, all the human shepherds that you encounter are under shepherds who operate under the chief shepherd to take care of your soul. Hallelujah. But your soul is so important that your soul has been given a special, a special shepherd. Isn't it? Yes. That's why Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17. Look at it. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17. It says, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. Do you see? Obviously, he's not talking about the Lord. (laughs) Isn't it? He's not talking about the Lord. Otherwise, he will say, Obey him who has the rule over your soul. Do you get it? But obey them means he's referring to humans. He says, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your what? Your souls. As they that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief for that is unprofitable for you. Amen. That they may do it with what? Joy and not with grief. You know, for that is unprofitable for you. Amen. Amen. So, your soul is so important that God has appointed people to guide your soul into heaven. Yes. So, if your soul has no caretaker, if your soul does not have anyone guiding it, then you are in danger. Isn't it? Yes, because we can see clearly that he said the soul is so important that the soul has somebody and he says, obey them, obey them and submit yourself to them because they watch over your soul and one day God is going to ask them to account for your soul. Amen. Yes. So when your pastor is calling you, your pastor is trying to find out why didn't you come to church? Or are you coming to church? Please come to church. He's doing a job. Because one day God is going to ask him. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes, God is going to ask him one day. You see, and those who say that, look, it shouldn't matter. Really, a person should be able to choose whether they want to be in church or not. You know, you can see right there that you're wrong. Because the Bible says that person is going to watch over your soul and God is going to make him account for it. Do you understand? Yes. And if God is going to make him account for it, then he needs to watch over the soul just like someone leaves their child with you. 
you can't say the child is just free, you know. This is the land of the free and the home of the brave. And so if the child is brave enough to move around, then he should be allowed to experience the land of the free by going anywhere he wants to go. No, you don't do that. You follow the child. You, you, your eyes are with the child. You want to know where the child is. And once the child is not within your sight, you, you get concerned because someone has left their baby with you. You get it? Yes. You see? Yes. And some of the babies, I tell you, they can... <laughs> Yesterday, I saw... I saw um, uh, Nukunu. I saw him, you know, yeah, he was, he was moving in reverse mode. <laughs> you see, yeah. I was just watching him in amusement because I wasn't sure what he was trying to do, but he had this thing and he wanted to take it somewhere. So he had the thing in his hand and then he was reversing. And he seemed surprised the thing was following him. <laughs> I tell you, everybody should have a baby in Jesus' name. It's beautiful. <laughs> Amen. So are you understanding what I'm saying? That once you have to watch over somebody's child, your eyes are supposed to follow the child. And you are supposed to be able to account for the whereabouts of the child because the child is in your care. Do you see? Yes. And when the person comes asking for their child, you can't say, oh, well, (laughs) I saw him... (laughs) Yeah, you can't do that. (laughs) No, you can't do that. And in the same way, when God comes one day to ask about you, it will not be an excuse for your pastors to say, "Um, you know, she used to come until March. (laughs) No, he should be able to account for you. Amen. Amen. That's why you must embrace your pastor's care and their interest in you. Amen? Amen. All right. Number five. Our time is up already. So let's wind up. Number five. Your soul is important because your soul can be lost. Yes. Your soul can be lost. Like a child who can be lost, your soul can be lost. Amen. Amen. Isn't that what the verse said? The verse said, verse 26, it says, and lose his own soul. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? You know, so the soul can be lost. And if it can be lost, then it must be valuable. Yes. Because you only lose things, you know, when they are valuable. When you say you have lost it, it's because the thing is valuable. You get it. But if it's not precious to you, you don't even tell anybody you lost. (laughs) You say it fell off. (laughs) 
Yeah, the thing had its own way. <laughs> Do you get it? Yes. But when it means something to you, when it goes away, you say that you have lost it, starting from your hair. <laughs> you get it? Yes. Say, <laughs> so I've lost it. You see? Yes. That's why it's good to take pictures. Because one day we may need to prove to our children that we used to have them. We were like them. Yeah. And that they should be careful. Because one day they will be like us. You get it? So lick him, that was for you. Number six, your soul is important because the soul can be destroyed. Wow. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 28. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 28. This is an interesting verse. It says, and fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. But rather... Fear him which is able to kill both the soul and body in hell. Can you see? So there are levels in killers. (laughs) Do you get it? And the ones we arrest around here and put in jail and so on, they are not the worst ones. They are not the ones to be feared. No, 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 no. There are levels in killing according to this verse. It says, do not fear them which kill the body, but they are not able to kill the soul. They eliminate the body and it's over for them. But you need to fear him, not them, because only one person has that ability. So fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Yes. That's the one to fear. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, that's the one to fear. And you can see that this is, it's in levels. You know, the Bible talks about the second death. When you read the Bible, it talks about Revelation chapter, chapter 20. Quickly, please. Revelation chapter 20 and verse 12. It says, and I saw the dead, great and small. You know, I saw the dead, great and small, stand before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened. Now, first of all, notice how he's saying that he saw dead people standing. Have you seen a dead man standing before? Right, so it means we are now talking about a realm where dead people stand. Why? Because the one who killed them killed only the body, but he was not able to touch the soul. You see, so there's enough of the person left, even though he's dead. There's enough of the person left to stand. And it's happening to both great and small. Both Lazarus and the rich man, they are both standing. Do you see? Yes. And they stood before God and books were opened. And another book was opened, 
which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. You know, it's not a fable that the things we do while we live here on earth are recorded. Do you get it? It's not some preacher's story or line. It is what the Bible says. The people were being judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. You get it? So, Malaysian uh, Airlines flight 370 or whatever it was that got lost, you know, everybody in it is going to come up. (laughs) You get it? Yes. The sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. You see, yes, this is where the rich man was brought back up. You see, yes. And where it says there, and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. Then it says, this is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Can you see that? Now, if you jump to chapter 21, chapter 21 quickly, chapter 21 and verse 8, it says, but the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars. See, it's starting to come close. (laughs) Shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone which is the second death. Are you getting it? So you can see that death is also in stages. You get it? And there's stage one. Stage one is the one we have to deal with here on earth. But stage two is where your soul, which was standing, will now be cast into a lake of fire. And the Bible says that is the second death. Wow. I mean, these are serious, interesting aspects of life that we don't hear much about. Yes. But if you go to a church, you should hear about something like this from time to time. Hallelujah. So we are saying your soul is important because the soul can be destroyed. You get it? Don't neglect your soul because your soul is the part of you that will stand in this judgment to account for the things you have done in your flesh, in your body. While you were living in this body, the life you lived, what you did, the things you said, you know, the people you hurt, the things you did, the Bible says you will account for them. One day, your soul will be standing before God to explain all those things. Yes. And the Bible says, whoever was not found written in the book of life, Then he gives us a list. People who were afraid. People who didn't believe. People who did abominable things. 
Do you get it? Yes, abominable things and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters. You get it? And all liars says they shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. If your soul can experience this, then you need to pay attention to your soul. Amen. Amen. Then, number seven, your soul is important because the soul can die. Right? Ezekiel chapter 18 and verse 4. He said, Behold, all souls are mine. Ezekiel chapter 18 and verse 4. Behold, all souls are mine. As the soul of the father, so also the soul of the son is mine. Then he says, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. Wow. Amen. Amen. So your soul is important because it can die. Amen. Amen. Number eight, your soul is important because it can go to hell. Isn't it? And then number nine, your soul is important because it can be required from you at any time. It can be required from you at any time. Minding your soul is important because no one knows when their soul will be required of them. Hallelujah. Your soul can be required of you at any time. This is where the Bible tells a very interesting story. Jesus, Luke chapter 12 and verse 16, you know, Luke chapter 12 and verse 16, it says, he spake a parable unto them saying, the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself saying, what shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and I will build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. You know, and then he says, I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, thou fool, this night, this night, Thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? Then he says, so is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Hallelujah. Yes. I think that most of us identify with this person, you know, to a large extent. Because we are all trying to lay up for the future. Isn't it? We're all trying to secure our future. We're trying to, you know, secure our future so one day we'll live in our own homes, drive our own cars, or that in our old age we'll not be struggling, isn't it? Yes, we're having retirement plans and different things, life insurance. Life insurance is even for when you go. (laughs) Do you get it? But we're just all trying to have a solid future, you know, And that's what this guy was doing, you know. And fortunately for him, he had done pretty well on F, you see. And so he said that I'm just going to, you know, 
invest more and diversify my investments, you know, and I'll store more things. And then after that, I'll say to myself, hey, I'm, I've made it. You get it? Let me just retire. You know, he said, so, you know, thou hast goods laid up for many years. Isn't it? So take thine ease. You see, and look at it, the soul that is at ease. No church, no God. Just eat, drink, be merry. I told you, a lot of successful people don't think about God at all. Yes. It is true that a lot of people will stop serving the Lord when they make it. When they prosper. When things look up for them. When the relationships are booming and working. You know, when you've got all the babies you want and you're living your dream life, a lot of people will argue with anybody who calls them to come to church. They'll say, why? Is it by force? (laughs) But people who are suffering and who have some problem that's not going away, something that their money is not eliminating, that is making them cry in spite of having money and success and everything. Those people can be driven to God by those very things that plague their lives. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So you can see this guy, he's not thinking about God at all. You see, but God was thinking about him. And he said that God said to him, you are a fool. He said, oh, (laughs) is that how you are? (laughs) Yes. And God said, yes, you're a fool. Because tonight is actually your last night. Yes, today is the last day for you. And your soul is being required of you. So what you should have been thinking about is whose shall all these things be? When you thought they were for you, God said, no, you should rather be thinking about who will inherit them. You know? Yes. Because a lot of people don't think about who shall all these things be. Sometimes the struggle to obtain them itself (laughs) makes it annoying to think about leaving them for anyone. (laughs) Is that true or false? Yes. Who shall all these things be? Nobody's. (laughs) Nobody's. Some people even leave instructions that when I pass, bury me with this one, add this one, and add this one, and add this one. Yeah, I struggle too much for them. And some people have cleverly made a profession out of that. Because they know people are buried with things. So they have come up with a new profession where they visit graves <laughs> and rob them and say look you can't take this with you you can't you have to leave it for us here <laughs> your family members were not bold enough to tell you so we have come here in the night to tell you you can't take this ring with you diamond ring no come off you need a ring we'll give you some wires <laughs> 
but God called him a fool. These are the words of Jesus. And it says, Jesus said, so is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. You know, God is not against you laying up treasure for yourself. The problem is that as rich as you are on earth, are you that rich towards God? Rich towards God means rich in things that matter to God. Things that God finds significant. Things that God is going to be counting. Do you get it? Because we read that somebody, people are going to be given account of themselves. You know, the things God will be marking. Are you rich in those things? Or are you just rich in things that don't matter? Things you leave outside, like your car. Yes, you drive a car to a place and you go and knock on the door and they let you in without looking at how you arrived. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? Even you yourself, when you drive your car and you arrive at your home, anything that you think is important, you take with you. So leaving the car outside <laughs> means it's not that important. <laughs> Everything that is important to you, you take upstairs. <laughs> So our cars are not the thing. Our clothes are not the thing. Our homes are not the thing. But we need to be rich in what matters to God. Hallelujah. And then number one. Number ten, the last one. Your soul can be saved by having faith in God. Your soul can be saved by having faith in the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 38. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 38. The Bible says, Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Amen. So, salvation of the soul is by believing. Amen. Yes. And your soul can be saved by believing. Having faith in God. Having faith in the Son of God. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12 is the last verse for today. It says, neither is there salvation, you know. We are talking about saving of the soul. And the Bible says, there is no sal salvation in no other name. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Amen. Amen. There is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There is no other provision. I know people like, you know, just, um, uh, what is the word? People like just for maybe fairness and evenness, you know, to accept that, you know, 
okay, there's salvation in Jesus Christ, but there must also be salvation in so-and-so, and there's salvation in so-and-so, so that it's just fair and it's balanced. You get it? Yes. What? Equality, yes. Yeah. So that everybody gets a fair share of um, uh, respect for their name as a way to God. Do you get it? But we also know that in life, there are such things as one ways. <laughs> this, this is the way. <laughs> yes. And even to your house, you may have a front door and a back door, but there's the way to come to your house. <laughs> Isn't it? Your house may have some windows, but if you woke up in the middle of the night and somebody was breaking one of those windows and you look at the person, it's Reverend Charles, and say, oh, he's coming, he's coming to visit. I think that, I mean, you may be happy that your pastor has chosen to come and visit you in the middle of the night, but, but I don't think that you accept the way by which he's coming into the house. Because he doesn't choose how to come to your house. Anybody who is coming to your house legitimately must come through the door that you have provided. So it means it is you who gets to say how people come to you. Not the people. Yes. So sometimes some people have a front entrance, they have a side entrance, and then they have a back entrance. And some homes actually, especially homes that open out to the main street. Have you seen some of those homes? Yes. Many times they don't use the front door because they don't want people just opening the door and the street is right there. Yes. So there usually is some kind of a side entrance or some back entrance. You enter the place and they'll tell you, just come around the back. Or sometimes there are some stores like that. They'll tell you, use other door. So even though you can see a door, it leads to the store. And you chose to stand behind the door. You'll be standing there the rest of the day. Yes, because that's not, they get to say how you come in there. If heaven is where you're planning to go, you have to respect God's door and the door that God has provided. Amen. And the verse we just read said, there is no other name given under heaven among men whereby we must be saved. There's no other. There are names. Yeah. You get it? Jean-Jacques. Jean-Leon. You get it? Jean Paul and the one coming. Can you guess the name? What? Jean Paul. You get it? Yeah, they're all fancy names. You get it? Yes. I mean, when you hear Jean Jacques' name, you think it's a bottle of wine. Some exotic wine or something in that. Oh, it's a nice perfume that somebody has brought from Paris. <laughs> you get it? But with all these fancy names, the Bible says none of them is giving among men by which we must be saved. I want to say to you as we close that you need to respect your soul and respect the name of Jesus 
as the name that God has given by which your soul can be saved. Do yourself a favor and do your soul a favor. Allow your soul to be saved while your soul can be saved. While your soul is at the place where such changes are possible. You know, where we can choose whether we want to go to heaven or hell. Now is the place. Here is the place. Because we can see it, you know. And if, if we read more of that story, you will find that the rich man told, uh, uh, Father Abraham told the rich man that, you know, the people on earth, they have people telling them these things. The rich man said, they won't believe it. <laughs> Yes, the rich man said, no, 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 no. The rich man said, I tell you that unless someone goes from here to go and say it, they won't believe it. Why? Because he knew his own attitude when he was here. Yeah. You get it? So he knew how it was that when you're here and you hear some of these things, they sound like some, you know, it's a church story. Yeah. It's the kind of thing you expect to hear when you go to church. It's something the pastor says because he wants you to stop living a certain life or, you know. I mean, people just don't think that they are hearing the true story of something that will be their story one day. But if you've seen anybody who has died before, you should believe it. If you've seen death before, believe in what happens after people die. Hallelujah. Don't rob your soul of the opportunity to be saved. Don't be like this rich fool, as Jesus called, God called him actually, a fool. Says you may be rich, but you are foolish because you have collected the wrong things. (laughs) Yes. You get it. You have amassed a lot of things that you have no need for. You're not going to do anything. You need to be thinking about what to do with these things. You know, sometimes I look at life and I think about life as, you know, sometimes when people are playing these board games. If you've watched two people playing a board game, some of you see one of them very enthusiastic and, you know, and they win and win and win and win and win and win and win. And then when it's over, they get up and leave all their winnings on the board. Because those marbles, those chips, those things, you have no use for them, really. So you leave everything on the board, and you leave the board behind, and walk on. And you go home. You won, yes, but everything you won has been left behind. One day people will say that you won. They'll say, yes, you won. You had two cars, you had three cars, you bought two houses, and you gave birth to four sons and two daughters and everything, but you're going to leave everything on the board and walk away solo. Don't rob your soul of a chance to be saved. Amen. Stand to your feet and let's pray. Let us pray. Everybody bow your heads with me. Bow your heads with me. And let us pray. Today is a good day to think about your soul.
and to ask your soul or ask yourself is my soul saved is my soul ready if God came to me and said tonight your soul is required of you would he be calling me a fool or would he be looking at a wise man or woman if today were your last day are you able to say confidently that your soul has right standing that your soul is in good standing with the Lord such that your soul is ready to meet its maker Today is a good day for that, to take that decision, to be sure that your soul is saved. You may be listening to the podcast, you may be watching us online, or you may be right here with us, and you know that your soul is not saved. I urge you not to. Let today pass you by without securing your soul. Jesus said your soul can be lost. Jesus said even if you were to gain the whole world and lose your soul, you would have made a loss. It would not be a profit. The whole world and everything in it is not worth the value of your soul. Your soul must be very important. Your soul must be someone you must pay attention to. You must respect your soul and ensure that your soul is properly catered for. So as we close this afternoon, I want to give you a chance. A chance to give your soul a chance. And the Bible tells us clearly that there is no other name among men given by which people can be saved. Your soul will not be saved by any other name except the name that God has given, which is the name of Jesus. And so I want to invite you to Jesus today. I want to invite you to the salvation of your soul. I want to give you an opportunity. It is an opportunity. It's a chance. You don't know how many more of those are left. You never know how many more are left. And you never know when you've used up the last one. It is prudent to take advantage of this opportunity. So if you're here and you want to give your life to Jesus, you want your soul to be saved, then I want you to join me in this prayer. If you're listening to me, if you're watching, wherever you are, if you're one of those who wants to do your soul that favor this afternoon, I want you to just lift up your right hand with me and join me in this prayer. Just lift up your right hand like that and say this prayer with me. Yes. Is there anybody here like that who wants to say this prayer with meaning for the salvation of your soul? Just say this prayer with me. Everybody say with me, say Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus. 
Say it again. Say, Lord Jesus. Today I recognize that my soul needs to be saved. And that there's salvation in no other name. Except in your name. So today I come to you. I know I'm a sinner. And I deserve to go to hell. But today. I make that decision. I want to go to heaven. I want my soul to go to heaven. I want my soul to go to heaven. I want my soul to be with you. I want my soul to be with you. When I'm done with this earth. When I'm done with this earth. Whenever it may be. Whenever it may be. So Lord Jesus. I confess my sins. And I ask for forgiveness. Let your blood wash me. Let your blood cleanse me. Purge me from my sins, Lord. Let your blood wash me. And let your blood cleanse me. And make me a child of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now say, Lord. Please write my name. Please write my name in the book of life. In the book of life. Because whoever was not found, whoever was not found written in the book of life, in the book of life was, cast into the lake of fire. was cast into the lake of fire. I don't want to be cast into the lake of fire. I don't, want to be cast I don't belong in the lake of fire. I don't belong in the lake of fire. So please write my name. So please write my name. In the book of life. My name is. And mention your name. Say it again. Say my name is. Lord Jesus. Please write this name. This afternoon. In your book of life. Thank you Jesus. For hearing my prayer. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Are you glad you're saved? Now, if you said that prayer and you meant it, there's a number on the screen. That is if you're watching us online or listening to the podcast, the number is 818-659-8688. 818-659-8688. If you would send us a text message or give us a call at that number, someone will will help you with more information about what it means to be saved. Amen. Are you blessed this afternoon? Right. Now let's come to the Lord's table. Let's have communion. One of the reasons why we have communion is to secure our salvation because Jesus told us that unless you eat my bread and drink my blood you have no life in you amen and so this afternoon we want to have that encounter with Jesus his body and his blood his body and his blood 
and to lead us in our communion will be our pastor, Bishop Dag. And so we're going to join him at the Flow Church as he leads us in the communion. And he's also going to pray for us after. Amen. Right. So just make sure everybody has one of these. Everybody has one of these. And then we're going to pray. Amen. All right. As we close, every standing, this is the bread that is broken just for you. May you be healed. Amen. Oh, yes. May you be blessed. Amen. By the body. Jesus Christ. We receive, 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 receive healing. Receive healing. Yes. Pray healing. Healing, healing, healing. The body of Jesus Christ. Yes. Amen. Let the church say amen. Let the church say amen. Let the church say Now the blood. Listen. When a woman was suspected of adultery, they would give a drink. I said, drink it. And if she has committed adultery, a curse will be transmitted through the drink. It's in the Bible. So a blessing or a curse can be transmitted through a drink. That's why we don't drink everything everywhere and we don't eat everything everywhere. May the blessing be imparted to your life. Amen. Of the blood of Jesus Christ. Let this be the blood of Jesus unto you. Yes. Be healed and discharged. Amen. And released from every curse. Amen. The blood of Jesus. Yeah, blood of Jesus. The Lord bless you. Amen. The Lord answer your prayers. Amen. The Lord set you free from every prediction. Amen. Expectation. Amen. Of the enemy. Yes. The Lord calls you to experience his goodness. Yes. In the land of the living. Amen. Whatever has harassed you. Whatever is persistent in the form of a disturbance or a trouble, yes. or a care, the Lord release you. May it lift off you. Yes. Supernatural. The Lord who brings an end to issues, yes. bring an end to every crisis. Bring an end to every repeated attack. Jesus. The Lord bless you. The Lord shine his face upon you. Amen. The Lord give you peace. Amen. The Lord give you answers. Amen. The Lord send solutions. Amen. Amen. Put your hand on your heart. Receive the blessing in your heart. Receive the anointing to be a pastor. To be a good leader. 
Yes. Receive a blessing to be a good servant. A I receive the blessing. Receive a blessing to overcome your temptation which is coming yes. again today. Jesus. The Lord strengthen you. Amen. The Lord help you. I receive the help. The Lord fight for you. Yes. The Lord contend against those that contend against you. Yes, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Receive his blessing. Receive his strength for the battle. Thank for the you, fight. May you not lose your weapon. Jesus. May you be strong and Jesus. blessed and healed and delivered. The Lord continue to bless it. In the name of Jesus. Amen. And amen. God bless you. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you on YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, LinkedIn, Zoom. Right, wherever you are, the Lord bless you. Amen. Alana, you will not hear any bad news. Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Tell somebody you will not hear any bad news. Hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated as we close. Are you blessed today? All right. Put your hands together for the Lord. Amen.